Let's get into a couple of off the tops, Rob, that uh, you and I didn't discuss. Normally, you and I will talk about our off the tops before the show starts. We didn't do that today. So these may catch you a little bit by surprise. Okay, so if you guys watch the Super Bowl, you know that Michael B. Jordan, uh, he had to remind us with that Alexa commercial uh, that he has just recently been named the sexiest man alive. And he did that. That Alexa commercial uh, was pretty funny. I got to give it that was pretty funny. But he is in a firm partnership with Amazon. We know that his uh, uh, Outlier Society production company was going to be making some stuff, but he has now moved into a kind of an exclusive deal with Amazon Studios. He's going to be producing things for them, including one of their first series that they're going to be making for Amazon is a limited series on Muhammad Ali that looked at the life of the man inside the ring and outside the ring. Michael B. Jordan will not be playing Ali himself. He said it's a little bit too confusing with him also playing Creed and whatever, so they're going to get somebody else to play that. But his studio is going to be doing that. But the overall deal sounds really interesting. This comes to us from the folks over at Variety. They're right. Michael B. Jordan's production company, Outliner Society, Outlier Society has expanded its existing partnership with Amazon Studios to include a first-look deal and an overall television deal. Up first, Amazon Studios has set a release date for Jordan's high-octane thriller, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, which we talked about a couple of months ago. The film, which Amazon acquired from Paramount, Paramount just loves ditching their movies off onto uh, streaming services, last year will debut globally on Prime Video on April 30th. That comes to us from the folks over at Variety. Rob, this is a really, it's really fascinating to see smart people operate. Michael B. Jordan is already, I mean, he's sexiest man alive. He's a kill. He's, he's an, he doesn't have an Oscar yet. He's an Academy level kind of actor. He's an absolutely Academy level kind of actor. He works with the smartest people. And now he's making great moves with his own production company. I'm looking forward to seeing this Tom Clancy thing. I am more excited for this Muhammad Ali limited series. I think that sounds great too. But Rob, again, it's just interesting to sit back and watch how smart people conduct themselves. This dude's one of the brightest in the business right now. You hear about these moves from Michael B. Jordan and his production company. What do you think? Well, I would be remiss if I didn't also mention he has a hot toy of himself. (laughs) Just saying. There is a Killmonger hot toy, and they added a facial sculpt of him. So how awesome is that? No, I think this is really great. And by the way, I don't know if anybody thought this was as funny as I did, but his Super Bowl commercial where he actually was Alexa. Oh, yeah, the Alexa commercial, yeah. That, that that thing, but what was great about it was it was also an ad for Without Remorse. Yes, it was. When looks out the window, you see the giant, you see the giant Without Remorse billboard like on the side of the bus that drives off. So I thought, wow, they're cross-promoting Alexa and a movie at the same time. Now, this is brilliant work. And uh, he he did talk about great acting. He was great in that. But no, I think this is fantastic. And, you know, I really like it when people who uh, garner power in Hollywood wield it correctly. I would say another actor, uh, and he's kind of following the footsteps of what Tom Hanks did. Tom Hanks, at the height of his powers, got things like Band of Brothers made, you know, or yeah. From the Earth to the Moon made. And I love the fact that Michael B. Jordan seems to You know, he came out of the indie film world, but he's kind of doing both things now. I mean, he's looking into directing, he's developing projects, and he's using – he knows that people aren't on top all the time. And what he's doing is he's establishing and and, um, coalescing his power into a broad base 
uh, of useful things to do. He can be a producer. He can be an actor. He can do all of these things. And he's very young still. And I think it's great. I mean, I first really noticed him on Friday Night Lights, the TV series, which is one of my favorite TV series of all time. He came in in the latter seasons, which I thought the series would get not good. And it turned out it just it, it kept getting better. And since then, it's been a joy to watch his career sort of flourish. And like you, I love what did you say? You love when watching smart people do business. Yeah, I think there's nothing more gratifying than that, especially in the entertainment business where there's a lot of douchebaggery. So when you see the other way, the other side, when you see somebody who's not only famous and at the top of his game also or her game also making great moves like he is, I, I, it's very inspiring. You know, it's funny. You mentioned watching him in Friday Night Lights. I remember when I was very, very late to the game for The Wire that some people consider to be like the greatest television show of all time. I remember yep. when I first I first sat down to binge it and watch it a couple of years ago. I'm like, wait a minute. Remote control. Pause. Is that little kid Michael B. Jordan? And sure yeah. enough, Michael B. Jordan was like one of the regulars, uh, one of the regulars on the wire, but a much, much younger Michael B. Jordan. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this move? I'm excited both for the Tom Clancy movie he's doing, and I'm excited for this Muhammad Ali series as well. What do you think about these this signing for Michael B. Jordan? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to a second off the top, and that is this. Rob, you know, I, I've been saying that one of the things I was really excited about going into WandaVision was the fact that Kat Dennings and Randall Park, as uh, as Darcy and, and Agent Wu were popping back up, I, I just love both of those characters. I just get a kick out of both of them. I really like Kat Dennings. And obviously, they have worked very well in WandaVision so far. A lot of people like myself, I want to see the MCU launch a Disney Plus series that is an X-Files-like series with Darcy and Agent Wu, you know, tracking down unexplained phenomena in this MCU. I think it would be killer. Anyway, with Thor Love and Thunder now in production and they're shooting that, a lot of people speculate, well, now that Kat Dennings is back in the MCU... Are we going to see her in Thor Love and Thunder? Which is totally rational to think about. But apparently she's not going to be in Thor Love and Thunder. But she is going to continue to appear in the MCU. This is what she said when she was asked about Thor Love and Thunder. She goes, I've been asked and I still don't know. I'm going to say no, she's not in Thor Love and Thunder. I'm going to say no only because they're shooting it. So pretty logical. It's like, you know, uh, I don't know if Billy's going to ask me to the dance. Because he hasn't asked me yet, and the dance has already started. That's kind of what's her approach there is that. So apparently we're not going to see Darcy reunite with Natalie Portman in Thor Love and Thunder. But when asked if we're going to see more of her in the MCU, she wants to say, there are some things I have done for Marvel that are coming out that are not this, but I probably can't say. So to me, that's still good news. Because like I said, I really like Kat Dennings in general, even though I never watched Two Broke Girls, but I've liked her ever since, you know, 40-Year-Old Virgin, which is like my all-time favorite comedy. I love her as Darcy. I've loved her in WandaVision as this character. So Rob, kind of surprised that we're not going to see her in Thor Love and Thunder, but we are going to see her in more MCU, and I really hope they do this Darcy and Wu show at some point. Anyway, Rob, uh, you hear Darcy talking about this. Are you surprised she's not going to be in Thor Love and Thunder? Are you surprised she's going to be in more? What are your thoughts right now? Well, look, like you said, she's just a delight uh, in WandaVision, and the her, the writing of her character is razor sharp. 
I, I mean, that line, can we say, I guess we can, the line when she said, they've recast a certain character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, they, I, we, we can we can do spoilers for WandaVision at this point. The okay, show came they, out when, days when, ago. When they say she, they've recast Pietro, I was like, that line was both true within the MCU, but also it was a very funny meta line about the Hollywood, the business of Hollywood. I thought it was hilarious. I think she's playing that part to a T. I, I, I think she's, she's one of those rare actresses who's both beautiful, but can also be chameleon like and play just about any kind of a role. And her acerbic wit is between her and Jimmy. I mean, people are talking about, a new Marvel Cinematic Universe-based X-Files-esque comic. You know, an FBI agent, an astrophysicist. I mean, that's what they, I, I'm all for that show. And uh, I would love to see it because it's hilarious. They go after strange phenomenon. Maybe they end up joining S.W.O.R.D. and go extraterrestrial. I mean, I don't know. But I, I think it's great. I love her. But no, I, it doesn't surprise me. I would imagine most of Thor, Love and Thunder, like Ragnarok, takes place not on Earth. So it, it doesn't surprise me that um, that she's not going to be in that film. But I think, you know, Warner, uh, Warner, Marvel rewards like they know they they make changes based on how well characters and situations work in their future stuff. And I think they brought her back for a reason. And she's really acquitting herself admirably. Uh, not that she needed to be acquitted, but man, she's she's knocking it out of the park and. Both Mr. Wu and and her character have become fan favorites in what two episodes? Yeah. So that's <laughs> uh, that's you know that that's a really uh, that's a testament to her as a performer. They've literally you're right. They've literally one divisions on episode five. They have literally been in this show for two episodes, but it yeah. feels like we've been watching them forever in it. Anyway, the question is, guys, what do you think about this? Kat Dennings is saying she's not going to be appearing as Darcy in Thor Love and Thunder, but she is going to be appearing in more MCU, which is good news to me. What are your guys thinking? Jump down to the comments section below and leave us your thoughts. OK, guys. With that down and out of the way, let's move into our main topics today. And how do we select our main topics here on the John Campion Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic, issue, or story that you think should be a main topic here on the John Campion Show, simply go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's totally free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campion Show. With that down, let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Grim Wicked, who writes, Hey, John, big fan since the first, uh, since AMC first. First off, holy crap. Did you see that incredible Super Bowl win? Tom Brady is the GOAT. Yes, he absolutely is the GOAT without question. Uh, anyway, did anyone else notice that this year's movie trailers were almost missing entirely? Where the hell is the Mortal Kombat trailer. Thanks, and keep up the filthy. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yes, we did just get through the Super Bowl. And there were some trailers, but and we'll talk about those in just a few minutes here. But one of the trailers kind of noticeable by its absence. Number one, I didn't totally expect it because it's not a big budget movie and it costs $5.5 million for a 30-second spot of the Super Bowl. But at the same time, we're kind of wondering, 
where the hell is the trailer for Mortal Kombat? It's supposed to be coming out in about two months. Now, you know me, guys. I'm kind of always the one saying, everybody calm down about there not being a trailer yet. It, it, the, the, trail, the movie's still four months away or five months away. Relax. But even I, at this point, have to start going, yeah, what is going on with no trailer? Because, first of all, normally, Rob, if you guys remember, Entertainment Weekly, just a little while ago, put out, which you can see uh, right here, put out a, a, a bunch of... Um, uh, a, a bunch of stills from the movie, right? Our first look at some of the production stills in the movie. We can glass through here. We see some of these ones. These are all from Entertainment Weekly. Normally what happens, not always, but normally what happens is that once a, tr once a poster gets released or a magazine does one of these features, Rob, like where they run a whole bunch of stuff on it, normally that means the trailer's going to drop like within like the next 24 hours maybe 48 hours. These things dropped a while ago. We're two months away. Super Bowl has come and gone, and we still haven't seen what's going on with Mortal Kombat. Now, for those of you still wondering, what's this Mortal Kombat? Where are they going to focus this one? This comes to us from uh, Entertainment Weekly that break it down like this. Mortal Kombat, produced by Todd Garner and Aquaman's James Wan, begins with a crucial piece of lore from the original games. The blood feud between the clans of Hanzo and Baihan, warriors Joe Taslim. The 10-minute opening sequence kicks off in feudal Japan long before these fighters wielded supernatural abilities as Scorpion and Sub-Zero. And it ends a pretty nasty in a pretty nasty hand-to-hand -hand combat between the two, uh, McCoy says. It's why the first... It's why the first-time feature filmmaker cast uh, Sonata and Taslim, two actors known for their martial arts prowess. Hanzo's the leader of a ninja clan, and he's strong, but also, at the beginning, he's a peaceful family man, Sonata says. It's like a family drama with excitingly brutal fighting. That's the image of this movie for me, he adds. And that is the image of the movie for a lot of people. A lot of people very excited to see this Mortal Kombat. Obviously, the first Mortal Kombat is a terrible movie but one that I love dearly. I don't care if it's terrible. <laughs> the first Mortal Kombat's just awful, but I love it. I can watch it every day. And has one of the best, no no joking around, it has one of the best soundtracks. Soundtracks for that first Mortal Kombat's amazing. A lot of people are excited about this. Rob, you take a look at this situation. We've had promos coming out for it now. We're just a little over two months away from it supposedly start, supposed to be debuting. We've had promo images and all this kind of stuff, and we are still sitting here, even with synopsis and everything, we're still sitting here without a trailer. Super Bowl's come and gone. They didn't even drop it during the Super Bowl. Didn't have to be on the Super Bowl. Sales and come. Do, is there something else going on behind the scenes here, or do you think, nah, be patient, probably in the next little while we'll get one? What are your thoughts on this? I, I think we should be patient. You know, I mean, obviously, it's not like this is a $200 million blockbuster. You know, I'm sure this was movie. This movie was made for a budget. And uh, I'm sure when they, they roll it out, uh, the Mortal Kombat fans will be there for it. But they just they probably just don't have the kind of ad budget that other other movies have. And they want to they want to hit hard and fast and get in and out quickly, just like a good fatality in the game itself. Yeah, I mean, that's true. That's one of the things a lot of people keep forgetting is that while there are some decent names attached to it, like James Wan is attached as a producer, the reality is it is a first-time director. 
It is a first-time screenwriter. They didn't have a huge budget associated with this thing. So even though it's a name that we all recognize, Mortal Kombat, uh, the studio probably isn't giving it the big film treatment. But but even that said, Rob, I got to admit, it feels like they should have had at least a trailer out by now. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Is it supposed to be a theatrical release? It's going to HBO. I mean, it's it's HBO Max, right? It, it's 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 the whole H. It's part of the whole HBO Max, yeah. f- you know, uh, thing. It's it was supposed to be theatrical. Now it's going to be on HBO Max and in theaters and some places at the same time. So yeah. it's supposed to be a, a both and situation. I mean, I think you know, I think that. Um, uh, with this HBO Max situation, I think they again. When I was I was kind of kidding when I said hitting hard and fast, but I think they kind of are. Look, King Kong is a different Godzilla versus King Kong is a different thing. But even that trailer, think about it. That movie is going to be on on um, HBO Max to come out theatrically next month, and we recently saw a trailer a couple weeks ago. Yep. So I that's really, a great point. Yeah, and I really do think that that's part of their strategy now because, you know, six months out is too far away. What they want people to do is they're like, oh, my God, they want the movie in the zeitgeist. They want the movie in people's minds. And then people realize it's here already. I've got to sign up for HBO Max or I'm going to go to the theater. And if they had waited six months like a normal theatrical release, it's sort of a slow burn. They release multiple trailers and you get opportunities to to see these things, but I think they're, they they want to make a big splash. And once they've made that splash, the movie's available within well within probably 45, 45 to sixty days. Yeah. So I think their new paradigm also has a new ad marketing paradigm with it. That's what I would assume. It'll be interesting to see if it has uh, what kind of impact that has. Question is, guys, what do you think? We're uh, not long out now from this Mortal Kombat movie. Are you somebody who's been looking forward to this one? Maybe you're like, it's Mortal Kombat, guys. What's there to be excited about? Or maybe you're really psyched about it. Are you surprised we haven't seen a trailer yet? When do you think we're going to get one? Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic number two. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Golden Light, who writes, "Uh, Hey, John and Rob, if he's there and he is here, uh, thank you for always providing movie news. Our pleasure, Golden Light. Uh, Thought to give you a chance uh, to talk sports here and ask, what are your thoughts on the Super Bowl on Sunday and any movie trailers and spots we got during the game? Thanks and keep up the good work. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Golden Light. And uh, first of all, the game for me, because I'm, I'm a Tom Brady fan. I mean, you know, because I've been a fan of the Patriots for so long and Tom Brady just moved on. So I'm going to be a fan of his too. And so it was really cool to see the GOAT win another one. There's that. But let's talk about the main reason movie fans are interested in the Super Bowl, which is, of course, the trailers. There weren't as many trailers, and that shouldn't be surprising given the state of the world right now, but there weren't as many trailers as normal, but there were still some notable ones for us to take a look at. Uh, first of all, we, there was the new Fast and Furious Nine trailer. Rob, I'm gonna want your thoughts on all of these, but but I'll start <laughs> I'll start off here. Fast and Furious Nine trailer was a complete utter waste of time. It was a complete utter waste of time. I don't even know why they bothered putting up the money for that, showing what they showed in it. It was just boring. I, I just can't believe they put like the old trailers they put out were far superior, 
far superior. Uh, this thing was a complete, utter waste of time, this little Fast 9 thing. Uh, the, another nobody spot, which I can't believe. Look, there is no getting around. Nobody is an absolute John Wick ripoff. There's no, there's no, there's, there's no question about it. It is an absolute John Wick ripoff. And it's not just because it's being made by a couple of the same guys who made John Wick. I mean, it's, it, they're unapologetic about it, but I don't care. This thing looks awesome. I cannot wait to see this movie. And so the spot did get me a little bit more excited. The ride, the last dragon spot was not bad. It wasn't bad. It's, it's not as, you know, Rob, when I came out of D23, when they announced the Obi-Wan series, I said, listen, they just announced Obi-Wan at D23 and all these other things. But the thing that got me the most excited was their previews for Ryan the Last Dragon. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean, their, their, their preview for it was awesome. I've lost some enthusiasm for it. And this spot wasn't great, but it was pretty good. It was pretty good. The old trailer, the new movie coming from M. Night uh, Shamhammer, looks really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's the best word I know how to apply to it right now. Interesting. Like it's I, I didn't watch and go, oh, my God, I can't wait to watch it. But I, I looked at him like I I'm dying to know what's going on here. Yep. Because And so and really for a first trailer, that's a good job. So Mark Me Down is really looking forward to an upcoming M. Night movie. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I thought was great, but we'll talk about that one more in depth in the next topic. So we're going to kind of brush over Falcon and Winter Soldier. The Clarice spots were terrible. Uh, not much on there. I don't watch Yellowstone. I don't, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I've never seen it. But they did a little preview spot for an upcoming spinoff show, a prequel series called Yellowstone 1883. It was just a little thing. I don't care if you live or die, but if you live, tell people what I did. Okay, that sounds kind of neat, but I don't know much about the show. And then they did another Coming to America 2 spot. I like this one as well. Not quite as good as the most recent trailer that came out, but I thought this uh, this spot was pretty good as well. So, Rob, that's my kind of breakdown on what we saw as some of the trailers go. I want to go over, though, and get your thoughts on these. So let's start going down these one by one, shall we? Yes. Let's start with... the. Uh, the F9, the Fast and the Furious 9 spot. What did you think about that one? Not enough Han. <laughs> um, uh, it's all I, about how much Han is there. The absolute quality is a direct ratio to how much Han is in the trailer. Yeah, well, and I also thought like the, the you know, that the, the twister ending when they show some big effect shot with the car like using a giant magnet to like pull another car through the wall and all that. I'm like, really? Yeah, that was a little... Dumb. You know, it was it was just I understand why they do that. But but do they have to at least look, you know how much I love this franchise, but that was just ridiculous. And and I I'm like, that doesn't that wasn't cool to me. What what was cool about the Fast and the Furious franchise is as insane as it, it is now as it's now become, you know, it really did start out with some really good practical car racing. It really wasn't until the fourth film where they they added CG as they traveled through underground passages. I got to admit, though, the fourth one is when I really started liking the franchise. I really fell in love with it in in number four. No doubt. And the Citizen Kane of the franchise is Fast Five. But the (laughs) the and it was it was a buildup. But I I did want to see more. What I you know what I was missing? What what I'm always looking for in a trailer, the underlying the underlying thing that I always look for is what is the premise of this story that you're going to tell me? And if you make the premise interesting, 
I'm in. You know, it doesn't have to be the greatest trailer in the world, but if you provide me some intellectual hook, and whereas we haven't got to it yet, but the old trailer, like you already said, is so interesting. When you watch it, you're like, what the hell is going on there? I mean, you get the idea that people, even the title tells you, but you want to sit down and see what the hell is going on in that story. And that's what a trailer should do. It should make you want to not just give you a cool moment, but give you a reason to watch the movie. And that reason is, here's a story you might not have heard before, or if it's a sequel, here's a story that your familiar characters have never been placed into before. And I think that with this Fast 9 trailer, it gave me nothing intellectually as a fan of the franchise. Look, dude, I mean, it's not like I'm not going to be at the first show ever. I'll be there. If I can get into a press screening, I'll go. But actually, I'd rather see it with a, a paying audience of like on a Thursday night preview. But I just, man, I wanted to, well, I wanted to know more. Tell me something other than the fact that, yep, this movie's coming out. I mean, the most, yeah, it's like, do you miss the life? Every day. I love me Vin Diesel. Don't get me wrong. I love me Vin Diesel. Yeah, the magnet thing, too, is like, really? There's So there was nothing metal in the building? No steel beams in the building? Really? Yeah. I, anyway, whatever. Whatever. It's a ridiculous thing. Let's get on to the next one here. Nobody. This is, uh, the, again, a complete John Wick ripoff sort of thing. But what did you think about the nobody spot? Well, I again, this is a movie that, first of all, uh, Connie Nielsen, I'll watch anything she's in no matter what, probably until the day she dies. But I, I love the premise of this idea. Yeah, it's a John Wick-esque ripoff. But the idea that this apparently one of the world's greatest assassins or whatever he did has settled down and tried to try to live a normal life amongst, you know, normal people. And of course his old life catches up to him again. That to me is always an irresistible premise that I can never get enough of. And, you know, they add the humor, like his daughter's bracelet was stolen. It, I, it just, I'm, I'm so there for this movie. It's exactly what I want out of what it is. And yeah, that's, me too. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. The next uh, Disney animated affair, uh, the thing I was really excited about, I've been losing steam for it, but th I thought they put out a pretty nice spot. What do you think about the Ryan, the last dragon spot we just got? I, I think it, again, uh, uh, you know, because it's a Disney movie, I just think that it looks beautiful. It does it, look beautiful. Yeah. I, and I, I just, I love, I look, I love the milieu. Uh, I, I really, it, it just feels like something that appeals to me. And like you said, while it didn't blow me away, I mean, it's still, it kept my interest. I'm like, this is the kind of animated movie that I love. So I'm in. All right. Let's move on to the next one here. This one, this one was not was I, what I was expecting. The trailer for the new M. Night Shyamalan movie, Old, dropped. And I, I, I didn't know what I was expecting from it, but it, I was very interested in it. I still am. I'm thinking about it the next day. I'm still yep. thinking about it. What did you think about this trailer? Again, a, an irresistible premise. You know, it's hard when you're dealing with some kind of a horrific or fa a dark fantasy idea that to find something new that interests you. But like a beach that's causing time to speed up. I mean, a mother who had a six-year-old kid turn into a, a teenager or even a guy in his 20s or something. Terrifying. That black woman twitching on. She did some good twitching. That was some scary <laughs> twitching. And I'm like, what is happening to her? And then it cuts to like a woman who was pregnant, who's now giving birth on the beach in a day. I mean, this looks twisted. It looks scary. Uh, it looks like something I haven't seen before. And I'm in. 
And can you imagine how fun it would have been to make that movie where, well, got to go to work today. Where are we shooting? Oh, on the beach again. Oh, how much fun would that movie have been to make? You're on the beach in Hawaii or wherever the hell they're shooting it. That must have been so much fun to make. Uh, one of the things that kind of surprised me was because it wasn't just one spot. I saw like, I, I'm, I don't even think I'm exaggerating. I think I saw six spots for Clarice. Oh, I yeah. think I saw six spots for Clarice. Now, granted, it's their own show. They're really going hard and doubling down on this show. They're really trying to push this thing a lot. And not one of these ad spots have looked remotely interesting to me. Rob, you saw the Clarice spots. What did you think? Uh, just about what I expected on the heels of that amazing Entertainment Weekly takedown of the uh, first couple episodes. I, you know, I find this show uh, creatively bankrupt. You're making a show about Clarice Starling that takes place uh, a year after Silence of the Lambs, and you cannot mention Hannibal Lecter. I mean, come on. I, I, uh, I, I, I and plus I, I read the pilot for this script, and it, it was not. Let's just say it was not impressive. And the fact that they have to advertise it so much tells me all I need to know. This show should be made for me, John. I love Thomas Harris's books. I've loved all the movies. Well, maybe with the exception of Hannibal Rising. And I, of course, loved Brian Fuller's Hannibal series. So I am a Thomas Harris acolyte. I've been reading these books since Red Dragon came out in, what, 81, 82? And this show should be the kind of show I should be all over, and I have no interest I'm just going to skip over uh, Yellow 1883. Let's go right to the last one there, which is uh, the w the new one they did for Coming to America 2. A lot of stuff we've already seen in the spots, but a lot of new stuff as well. Yeah. What did you think about this new Coming to America spot? <laughs> Dude, I can't wait to see this movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I've talked to people that, look, I thought the second trailer was much better. Uh, there's so many things in it that I laugh at. Sure, there's some corny jokes, okay. But first of all, what a cast. Uh, and it just, again, it looks like they're having so much fun. I like the, the idea behind it. Um, I, 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 I want to see this movie. <laughs> what can I say? I want it to be great. All right, guys. Question is for you. Did you guys watch the Super Bowl spots? If so, what stood out to you? What really worked? What didn't work? Jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by uh, Ainsley Curtis, who writes, Hi, John. Longtime fan. Love the show. Thank you so much, Ainsley. Appreciate that. So Marvel have dropped another trailer for Falcon and Winter Soldier. It had some good moments in there. Now has to be the best time to drop a new trailer. But for me, it was a bit lackluster. I love the relationship between Sam and Bucky. But other than that, the trailer was a big miss for me. Have you seen it? And what are your thoughts? All right. Thanks a lot for sharing that, man. And yes, look, I, if I remember correctly, there were two different versions of this. I think one was the 30-second spot that they played during the Super Bowl. So they played a, a short version, which they said, you know, watch the full version now online. And then there was the full version online. And I got to say, I got to disagree with you. I thought this trailer was great. <laughs> I loved it. Now, listen, that's I was a little bit nervous going into it because for you guys who watch the show, you know that out of all the 
Disney Plus MCU shows coming from She-Hulk to Miss Marvel to Moon Knight to War Machine to even WandaVision that's out. Falcon and Winter Soldier is the one I have most been looking forward to. This is the one I've been most excited about. And so I was ripe for disappointment with a trailer. I was absolutely ripe for disappointment with the trailer. But I will tell you what, I thought it delivered. Now, I'm not saying it's it's the greatest trailer of all time or anything like that. Not even the best MCU trailer I've ever seen. But I thought it was a really solid trailer. Uh, I love seeing both Sam and Bucky kind of with the shield at different points. I love the fact that we've got Emily Van Camp, good Canadian girl, by the way, popping back in there. We get to hear Zemo talking about it, who I thought is one of the more boring villains we've had in the MCU so far, but I'm looking forward to him being redeemed. I mean, we're looking, we, they didn't show us any George St. Pierre as Batroc the Leaper, but we know he's going to be in there. I liked this trailer. Now, for those of you who forget, this is our little synopsis that we have of Falcon and Winter Soldier right now. Following the events of Avengers Endgame, Sam Wilson slash Falcon, played by Anthony Mackie, and Bucky Barnes slash Winter Soldier, played by Sebastian Stan, uh, team up in a global adventure that tests their abilities and their patience in Marvel Studios' The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, once again, for me, uh, this was uh, just, again... The job of a trailer is to take your excitement level, no matter how high or how low it is, and bump it up a couple notches. This one made me more excited. I mean, did I like it as much as that Godzilla versus King Kong trailer? No, I did. It's not as good as that. That is still, to me, one of the best trailers I've seen in a couple of years. But I thought this was a very sharp, very good trailer. Rob, you had a chance to uh, to watch this spot. You had a chance to watch this trailer. What are your thoughts about it? I loved it. You know, like you, I, 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 what, what, what's not to love, man? I mean, it, it, what I, what, what I find so interesting is, again, this trailer focused on something that I didn't expect, which was, it's the relation. If, if you know how trailers sometimes have names, this would be the relationship trailer. That's what it would say if it was delivered to a TV sh uh, station to play, and it was, it was about the relationship that Bucky and Sam have, and it seems to be a little cantankerous, like an old married couple. And I, I, I thought that was something unexpected. Again, something that it was an intellectual hook that I didn't expect. And I, I loved it. I thought it was great. What stood out to you the most? Like what, what was, well, one thing maybe that we saw in this spot that we hadn't seen yet that stood out to you the most that you liked? Well, I think the idea that, that a familiar villain is still wanting to get rid of superheroes. I mean, in a way, I would think in a post- snap in a post blip world kind of like how bruce wayne was adamantly opposed to superman and batman v superman you're going to see a lot of animosity i think there's going to be a lot of people that blame metahumans for thanos coming to earth and now there's there's really i mean can you imagine they haven't really examined this in the marvel cinematic universe but post blip the whole world is going to be very aware that we are facing cosmic power that we had no idea exists and I mean, I think up until <laughs> we had extraterrestrial battles in New York in the first Avengers, the world now realizes the kinds of threats that we're facing. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that resent the metahumans. And even though they save us, may I, but again, you heard that we have to get rid of the superheroes or whatever the line is. And I look, I think the action looks really cool. Um, I, I, I like the idea that Maybe there's some competition, even though the, the shield was given to Sam. 
that maybe there's there's definitely a rivalry competition with with um uh the winter soldier and i like that sharon is back and i i think the whole it, it just it just looks to me it looks really interesting that there's a lot of really compelling story elements and they they have me they have me hooked and i'm really intrigued and if the kind of detail that's been put into WandaVision is put into this, I mean, I might get that Tom Clancy-esque feel that I wanted from this movie, for this series. That's what I was hoping for. And it looks like it means to deliver. And I, I think, you know, the fact that WandaVision will end and then we get this series almost right on the heels of it. I mean, talk about an embarrassment of riches, man. Come yeah. on. You know, it's funny, too, because as we hear Zemo talking about, you know, there should be no superheroes. The funny thing is, Sam is just a human being. He has no superpowers. He all he has some really good military tech. I mean, Bucky does have some uh, does have enhancements. So there's there's that with Bucky. It's also really interesting as they're kind of like, where does the Captain Mantle, Captain America mantle go? Obviously, Bucky is very problematic because he spent. I mean, he was wanted across the world. He spent years as an assassin and killing a lot of people. But remember, Sam too. He came down on the wrong side of the Sokovia Accords in the Civil War, and the government was yep. against him. So I'm sure that's going to come into play about why they don't want him as the, you know bearing that mantle. I mean, personally, you know me, Rob. Nobody should be the next Captain America. Nobody should be the next. There shouldn't be a next Captain America. Captain America, to me, is Steve Rogers. Is well, Captain America is Steve Rogers? I know what they do in the comics, but. I just I just feel like they should keep I, I think Falcon there, is cool you know, as Falcon. There's a third character that is the new Captain America that the yes. government is introducing. So yes. there's a What's third. What's his name? Agent is it Agent Liberty? No, or is it uh I don't know I, what they're gonna go with. Yeah, something like like that. Right. But it's it's gonna be interesting to see that power dynamic too and you know what's going on. I think this show looks fascinating. And and again, I just love the fact that they are pulling out this is not in humans, and it's not Agents of Shield. It's a I mean, U.S. agent, are, by the way. It's U.S. agent, U, not oh, Agent US, Liberty. Sorry yeah, about US that. Agent. U.S. agent. That's right. Thank you, everybody in the live chat. This is A-list stuff. We're getting. We're getting. I mean, they're they're definitely upping the ante with their streaming shows, and it's it's pretty pretty killer. I can't wait, dude. Cannot wait. Yeah, I, I want to, I don't normally do this. I'm going to call out somebody in the live chat. Chandler Edwards is saying, so John doesn't think they should replace Captain America, but Black Panther. They're two completely different situations. I think Black Panther should be recast with a different actor, but still playing the character T'Challa. I think T'Challa should still be Black Panther. And I'm fine if they want to recast Chris Evans and have, say, somebody else playing Steve Trevor, but I think the character Steve Trevor should, Steve Trevor, uh, uh, Steve, uh, uh, Captain Steve, why am I suddenly, why am I keep, I keep wanting to say Steve Trevor, which is the Wonder Woman, Steve, Steve Rogers. Rogers. <laughs> um, I think Steve Rogers should be, I think the character Steve Rogers should be Captain America. And if he can't, if this character Steve Rogers should, can't be Captain America, then there shouldn't be another Captain America. He is Captain America. Whereas T'Challa isn't the only Black Panther. T'Challa was just the most recent in the line of Black Panthers. I still believe they should have recast T'Challa, but anyway, there's that. And I'll probably say Steve Trevor like 55 more times before it's all said and done. Anyway, guys, 
Question is, what did you think about the trailer for Falcon and Winter Soldier? I thought it looked great. And I think Sam Mackey or Anthony Mackey, he, who plays Sam, I think Anthony Mackey and Sebastian Stan are going to have great chemistry together in this. I can't wait to watch this. I thought the trailer was great. Maybe you're like the person who sent in the question. Maybe you were kind of underwhelmed by it. Maybe you're still kind of in a wait and see pattern. Maybe you just didn't like it at all. Whatever you felt, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, let's now move on to the part of the show where we take your live comments and questions. Once again, if you want to send in a live comment or question, simply use the tip link that's in the description of this video, or just go to streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show. If not this one, then probably in the next companion video. And of course, you'll be supporting the show at the same time. Now, I'm going to let you guys know, and I did this little... Um, uh, uh, disclaimer before too. For those of you who are waiting for the follow-up to our WandaVision episode five, uh, open spoiler discussion, it was supposed to go up on Saturday and I apologize for the delay. You guys know that, uh, but it is going up about 20 minutes after we're done the show today. So after we're done the show, the remainder of the questions that you guys sent in during the WandaVision open spoiler discussion, that video featuring Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett, who uh, decided to pick up those questions, uh, will be going up online, uh, like I said, about 20, 20 to 30 minutes after the John Campia show is finished today. So that's where that's going to be. Uh, but also, I know a lot of questions that you guys sent in for the John Campia show uh, to the tip link are also involving Wanda. So I'm going to let you guys know in case you haven't seen WandaVision episode five yet, which I mean, guys, the, the show came out Thursday night. I mean, if, if you're into the show, you probably would have watched it by now, but I'm just going to let you guys know there are some spoilers questions coming up here uh, sent into the John Campbell show regarding WandaVision episode five. I just want to give you guys a little bit of heads up on that because I respect you guys. All right. That said, let's get into it here. Uh, the writes. I believe Toby and Andrew, that's uh, Toby McGuire and Andrew Garfield, will be in a small post-credit scene in Spider-Man 3 just to lead uh, just to lead into Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. So maybe that's why Holland doesn't know anything. Are people keeping their expectations too high for this movie and will it end up being and will end up being disappointed? Well, listen, high expectations and risking getting disappointed, that's a reality with every movie. Like, you can ask that question with every movie. I don't hear people getting expectations outrageously high for Spider-Man 3. I, I think I see a lot of people getting very excited about it. I don't see, like, the expectation levels that we had for Endgame or that we had for a number of other things like that. But high expectations are always a risk. And I think that's a possibility, though, that maybe it's a post-credit scene. Either way, I think I think Andrew and Toby will appear in the, in the movie, but I believe it's going to be a small role. I don't think it's going to be big. And that's why I still believe that Toby or Tom Holland is lying a little bit when saying he says he doesn't know if they appear in the movie. I think he does know. But there is a possibility, yeah, that maybe it's because it's such a small role, they didn't even let him in on it. It's possible. Let's keep our eyes open for that. All right, next up. Uh, Carpery Grant writes, 3-3, three and, three, and we got through the first couple in the, in the companion video that went up yesterday, but Wanda could be used... Uh, could be used as a cocoon for the Mind Stone. And as it gets closer to being reborn, Wanda's power gets stronger. Thus, she is in control of most things, but the Mind Stone power itself indiscriminately acts on its own outside of her control. All right, I love this. Rob, 
For those of you who missed this on the companion video yesterday, this to me is a great theory. I'm not saying I buy into it, but it is a great theory. Rob, one of the big questions, you know this, that people have had regarding WandaVision so far is, okay, we know something else is behind this. It's not just Wanda doing it. I think Wanda's mostly in control, but there's clearly something else at play here. We've heard theories from Mephisto to maybe it's the acting director of S.W.O.R.D. to maybe it's Ag uh, Agatha Harkness to like a lot of different theories. Um, Capri Grant wrote in on the companion video yesterday and gave a really imaginative and great theory. And here was the theory. The other force involved here besides Wanda is the Mind Stone itself. The whole theory is predicated on this. Think about Lord of the Rings and Sauron. Sauron was destroyed, but his spirit endured and has lost none of its potency, right? The spirit of Sauron endured. The movies, Infinity War and Endgame, there are at times, they implied that the stones almost had a mind of their own, you know, at different points through, whether you listen to, you know, uh, Red Skull when he was talking about the yeah, soul well, yeah, stone. Yeah, the same and, yeah. Yeah, so there's, there has been some implications that the stones almost have a mind of their own. And so the theory that, what if the Mind Stone itself, the essence of the, the, phys, the physical form of the Mind Stone was destroyed, but the essence of the Mind Stone is still there? And what if it's trying to get itself rematerialized? What if it's trying to find a way to take corporeal form again? And in order to do that, it uses Wanda, who it, you know, a lot of its essence resides in her and is trying to create this thing or, or be that force behind it. Much like, you know, the ring would influence in Lord of the Rings would influence people towards certain things. Now, look, there are problems with that theory. There are, but I got to say, personally, it is my favorite theory that I've heard so far, even though I hate the idea of the MCU after 11 years and 20 plus movies, still having an infinity stone as the centerpiece of your story. I hate that, but the theory is very cool. Like I, I, I when I really thought about it after they wrote it in, I sat about it and I thought about it last night after the Super Bowl two, I thought, you know, that could be some like real meta shit right there. Like that could be because, you know, she says she's speaking to her kids. She says, I do have a brother. So the Mind Stone is like, OK, when the Mind Stone manifests a version of her brother. I, again, there are question marks. But Rob, I, I'd be excited to hear. What do you think of, of Grant's theory there? I actually think it's pretty cool. What do you think? Dude, like you, I have not heard that until just now. I think not only is that a great theory, I think it's far more along the lines of, you know, of what this series is actually about, because if you're really dealing with and if you think about that, let's go even further. Uh, the fact that Vision, who has you know, basically been destroyed, Vision was given life by the Mind Stone. And for the very first time, like you said, if the Mind Stone has some if the Infinity Stones have some spirit, have some sentience or some kind of intelligence behind them. For the very first time, the Mind Stone being in vision allowed this entity or whatever to have a life, like to be alive, to experience what it means to be walking amongst 
sentient beings and 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 what vision allowed the mind stone to have very uh, for the very first time is is a, a universe and people and maybe to know love or whatever i love this idea i think this idea is fantastic and the real question is you know when you ask yourself there's so many questions about this show that people aren't asking like did wanda grow up in sokovia watching sitcoms like why sitcoms why not dramas? You know, is it because like, why not? Why, why didn't she grow up in like the eight is enough house where that was a very nice place to grow up? I mean, like sitcoms, why sitcoms? And, and there's, there's all of these things that have yet to be answered, but it would be really interesting. I think this is a great idea because we did see on Vormir, the soul stone knew like Santa Claus, whether you'd been bad or good, it knew if you'd sacrifice something, it wasn't like, <laughs> Red Skull going, yep. well, let me see. It was this skull, if, is this sacrifice the best sacrifice? He wasn't the one making that choice. He was just pointing you in the direction. And if the Soul Stone didn't believe your sacrifice, you weren't going to get the Soul Stone. And maybe part of the thing about these Infinity Stones is they want to, you know, it's like they want to achieve life of some kind. All of them. Whether you're the Ether, whether you're the Tesseract, whether you're the mind or the soul stone the idea is to be given life and that's the one thing they don't have so maybe there's something to that i think it's a great theory again i, I i'm sure there are some holes in the theory that you could punch out absolutely but I, again i just it's one of the more exciting and original kind of theories to me rather than you know mephisto and all the kind of look again it could end up being mephisto it could be end up being a lot of different things but i really do like this soul stone one anyway all right let's keep moving here uh capri grant also writes also i do think dr strange will will appear in wandavision because who else can stop her uh when her powers are on steroids uh there was a clip i saw with benedict cumberbatch talking about uh the show and he quickly stated he would appear unless i uh misheard him no you misheard him he did he never stated that he would appear in the show um I still don't believe he will. I think that's something they're going to save for later on. I think, you know, Wong is a better possibility. I think somebody from maybe the Spider-Man verse could be a better possibility. I think Hawkeye makes a lot more sense considering his connection with her. And also remember in the teaser trailer, we see Monica saying Wanda's the problem. Wanda has to be the solution. So I think vision is going to be a part of it. I listen, Benedict showing up is absolutely on the table. It's absolutely on the table. I just don't think that's the one it's going to be, but it very well could. We'll have to wait and see. All right. Next up. Um, Asalante writes in theory, sword is discussing or dissecting vision to make a more powerful vision. Do you think Wanda will merge her uniform and vision's body? So no one will uh, touch him ever again. No, uh, her new costume tease in the WandaVision poster resembles vision a little bit. I don't think so, but Rob, I don't think it's a coincidence that we, we saw in uh, that episode when Monica goes back to sword that the director says to him, we're now more in AI and stuff like that. I don't think it's a coincidence that he said that to Monica. And then later we find out that they had, you know, visions, old body in a hundred pieces all over the place. And they were playing around with visions body. I think there's definitely a connection there. What do you think? Do you think they're actually trying to, you know, research his body and create their own supervision army or what do you think they're doing here? I think they probably didn't just have vision either. I think they might have had a little some of Ultron as well, but uh, we don't know. I, I but but because you know Ultron 
he keeps coming back. He's like the cat came back the very next day. You thought he was a goner. But the uh, I think Ultron could be coming back too. Um, maybe not in this series though. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, all bets are off as far as if you think about the Marvel Cinematic Universe after what happened. I mean, the snap was the worst thing that ever happened to humanity. And I think every intelligence organization uh, in the world realizes we're all outclassed and outgunned, that an extraterrestrial threat could snuff us out at any moment. So all of these organizations are looking to find I mean, when there's a world that has or a universe that has infinity stones, how do we as human beings combat that? We can't just we can't just expect the Avengers to save our butts. So you're going to have these organizations doing everything they can to innovate and look into this technology. I mean, the vision was his 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 life came from an infinity stone in addition to Stark Tech. So I think absolutely they would be doing these kinds of this kind of research and they wouldn't be wrong to do it. So I think that there's there's a lot going on here, um, and of course, uh, we're going to see. I mean, what I love about this show, John, is every week we get more. Yeah. And uh, this, I've never I've never seen such ongoing fan speculation. I mean, people are loving this, and if you ever needed proof that releasing these episodes every week was the proper way to go. This show certainly is an indicator of that. Yeah, that puts an end to the discussion about whether this is the right way to release these or not. Like the discussion's over. It's uh, there's no more discussion to be had. This is the smarter way for them to release these things, no doubt. All right, now let's move on here. Next up, Loki for 2028. Right. So wait, Vision has a living will. Yeah, I was I was kind of interested about that too. But then again, when you think about Vision, he's totally logical and all that kind of stuff. It would make sense that we'd make a living will. MCU is so progressive. It it took Bicentennial Man over 200 years to get those kinds of rights. And the AI kid uh, makes me sad every time I think of him. Deserves so much better. You know, that's a good point. Would the government consider Vision to actually be a living being? And that they would recognize the, the legal enforcement of a will of that rob i mean you look at star trek the next generation they had to have starfleet tribunals to determine whether data whether or not could be considered a person yep so i guess at some point they recognized vision as a living sentient being i never even thought about those ramifications but that's something to think about i how do you think they would have gone about something like that well, I think that's very interesting, and, and and also I don't even think humanity is fit to judge whether or not Vision is a living sentient being because he really was brought to life by the power of the Infinity Stones, and and th- this this is a cosmic force we have that that may have been created by God, the Creator of all things, if you tend to believe in that, or or a, a cosmic entity that. As Arthur C. Clarke said, if something is is further, if it's enough advanced, you know, if technology is 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 that far advanced, then it appears to to be magic to people that are less advanced. That's where we that's where we're at, and I don't think we just have to go with it. Like there's things about the vision that we're never going to probably understand. So I think damn right there was probably a decision made, and maybe that'll be part of this show because you know Kevin Feige is a huge Star Trek: The Next Generation fan. And there's a lot of things that are happening in this show that have ramifications that have been dealt with in Star Trek before. And the second season episode, the the episode you referenced was Measure of a Man, which is one of the best episodes of the series. I must 
I must say that there's an extended version of that episode on the second season Blu-ray of Next Generation that is worth getting. <laughs> but I, I think you're absolutely right. The ramifications of this and whether Vision's personhood could be something that definitely definitely will come into play. But if, if Vision is somehow reinstated or like this theory is is saying that the, the Mind Stone is looking for a physical manifestation again because you can't really destroy the Infinity Stones. Not really. Because they're they're part of the cosmic nature of the universe. And so they're probably, like you said, I thought your analogy of Sauron being a very good analogy. Sauron is is the power that is, whatever that is Sauron was gaining. It took a millennia, more, more than one millennia in Middle Earth. But I think you can't tell so you're not who's gonna tell vision you're our property yeah you know who's gonna <laughs> he, you try it buddy. he's a vibra he's a vibranium synthesoid yeah good luck with that tell yeah, me how that goes for you yeah, yeah all right let's move on here and anonymous viewer writes hey john i know your stance on casting doesn't matter to you as long as it fits but i think sean bean would be a good casting for magneto thoughts uh, same thing and you tipped in 20 dollars. thank you for supporting us in that level man i appreciate that listen it, it comes down to what which magneto what magneto would sean bean be a fit fit for see here's the problem again and i've explained this before let's look at joker for a second you have jack's joker heath's joker jared's joker joaquin's joker they're all completely different unique characters one joker was not like the other they were all very very different types of jokers like heath ledger fit that christopher nolan joker perfectly he, that's why Nolan casts and the fans don't because he knew while everybody else in the world war was screaming, the broke back mountain boy is going to be Joker. While everybody else was screaming that Christopher Nolan was like, I know the Joker I've written and none of the audience does. I know the Joker that I've written and I know that Heath Ledger is the right fit for that. But would Heath Ledger have been a good fit for Jack's Joker? Probably not. So that's why when we say Sean Bean would be a good casting for Magneto, but the question is which Magneto? Like we don't know what what you know how whatever screenwriter is going to be writing Magneto in the future for the MCU. We don't know what that specific Magneto is going to be like. So maybe Sean Bean would be a good fit, and maybe he wouldn't. Without knowing what that character truly is and how it's going to be manifested on the screen is impossible. That's why when people ask me, John, what do you think about X actor playing X role? I go, listen, all I care about is are they a good actor? And then I leave it up to the people who wrote the scripts and the directors and stuff like that who know the script as to whether or not that person would be a good fit. So is Sean Bean a good actor? Oh, damn right he is. He's a fabulous actor. So if they were to announce him as the next Magneto, I'd be all excited. But I can't say he'd be a good Magneto because I haven't seen a script. So that's kind of my take on that, Anonymous. All right, thanks for writing that in. But Sean Bean is an awesome actor. All right, Welsh Dynamo writes, Hey, John, forgive me, but I cannot for the life of me remember the name of the lady that was on your show in the early days. She used to read out the main topics. Uh, she was just wondering how she's doing and if she'll make a return one day. Well, I mean, there was Chris Carr... Uh, I mean, it like, depends on how far back uh, you're trying to go, right? It depends on how far back you're trying to go. So I, I'll, I'm going to assume that maybe you mean Chris Carr because she did that for a while. So uh, and hopefully we'll be able to like, I'm not really sure. Here's the problem right now. Just to give you a little bit of inside baseball here for those of you who are familiar uh, with 
um, with with the show is that you know Chris stopped coming on the show because of the COVID thing, and she was kind of a high risk person. That's how she described herself yeah. with the COVID thing. And we we tried doing a remote thing with her, and it didn't really work well. Now, it's going to be a little bit more tricky having Chris come on the show when things clear up because now I live an hour away. So I hope we're able to make something because I love Chris Carr. I love I her. Um, she's just a, she's just a meat bag of joy. She is a meat bag of joy uh, walking around. I, I love her. So we're going to see if we can make that work. Now, before Chris, there was uh, Ashley Whalen. Um, and she is, I mean, I still, uh, I still interact with her stuff on social media with Instagram stuff. She's busy. I mean, she's doing more and more things. Rob, I don't know if you follow Ashley on social media. Yeah, I but do. And I, I really liked her as well. Yeah, so. me too. But she just started getting really busy with the stuff she really wants to do. And she's doing great there. So anyway, uh, there's that. Uh, people are asking me meat bag. Yeah, that's, that's things. What's, um, what, like supernatural, some creatures would refer to human beings as meat bags. And and sometimes like Android characters will refer to humans as meat bags. So that's what I mean. She's a meat bag full of fun. Anyway, that's what I meant. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Uh, thanks for that Welsh dynamo. Next up, Brazilian dude uh, writes, Hey John, I know you don't think Mephisto is the big bad in WandaVision. It's, it's possible. I don't think it is, but it's possible. Um, but if he indeed shows up, do you think Marvel would get really well-known actor to play him? For some reason, I keep thinking Al Pacino shocking us all by playing him in the finale. Well, here's the thing, Rob. I remember a number of years ago, um, Al Pacino watched something in particular. I can't, it might've been one of the Captain America movies. I can't remember. And I remember him saying that he'd be into doing something like that or whatever. So there's been some speculation that we could see Al Pacino pop up. And then of course, we heard Paul Bettany in an interview a while ago saying, oh, this series gave him the opportunity to work with an actor he's always wanted to work with. I, I suppose Al Pacino would fit that uh, possibility. So listen, no, I don't think we're going to get Mephisto. But if Mephisto shows up, which is a possibility, I think Al Pacino is as valid a guess as anybody. I don't know. Rob, what do you think? Uh <laughs> I, I like you said, it's anybody's guess. I mean, who who's to say? Uh, you know what, John? Nowadays, I don't put anything past anybody. You know, you just we live in an age of wonder, as I'm always saying on this show. So why not? Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> why not? Maybe. Who knows? All right. Uh Kelva UK writes, WandaVision, can we talk about the significance of the drone uh, belonging to Stark Industries? How did S.W.O.R.D. get their hands on it? Uh, is it from Tony's era? Longtime fan from AMC days. Uh, keep up the good work. I don't know. I mean, Tony's Stark Industries still makes stuff. I don't yeah. think they make missiles or rockets, but they still make stuff. So I don't know. It, it seems to me like that's not that far of a stretch that they probably bought one thing and then armed it themselves. Cause you know, Tony didn't want to make weapons anymore. Right. Other than his own weapon, his magical nano suits, uh, nanotechnology suit. But um, yeah, to me, it's not much of a stretch. Rob, what do you think? Uh, no, I agree. I mean, it's, it's it, it, weaponizing a drone is not something that is out of the realm of possibility. And, and obviously you know, sword is is made to the whole their whole existence 
coming on in the wake of, of Captain Marvel and learning the, about the Kree and the Skrull, or do they know? Yeah, both of them. Yeah. Um, that, that this is an organization that suddenly is thrust into, we have extraterrestrials on Earth that don't even like each other. So we better be ready to improvise. And, you know, I think Stark Industries was probably making some of the most innovative tech that they possibly could. And remember, Tony never went anywhere during the blip. And they're still they're still making technology, so it doesn't surprise me that Sword was buying some of the best available tech and modifying it to their own purposes. So, absolutely, why not? Absolutely, why not? Okay, let's keep going here. Next up, Welsh Dynamo says, "Hey, John, not sure why my last tip got, went to the wrong video. Apologies, I haven't got the hang of the tipping feature yet." By the way, I, I'm going to point this out because there was some confusion with some people, but I'll lay it out again. When you're sending in a question for the John Campia show, you use the tip link that's in the description of this video. Of course, I bring it up all the time. It's it's this one here at streamlands.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. But when we do spoiler videos, like the uh, Mandalorian episode spoiler discussions or the WandaVision episode spoiler discussions or the play in chats when I do play in chats and play in chats are returning, um, then the way you send in questions for those is in the live stream using the super chat feature. So we have the super chat feature disabled while we do the John Campia show. So you don't accidentally send in questions that way. But then for spoiler videos, you do use the super chat feature and not the tip link. The reason we do that is so that we have a way to uh, organize which shows questions were sent in for. Because if we just took them all via the tip link, then we would never know, was this question meant for the John Campy show or was this question meant for the WandaVision spoiler discussion? So that's why we kind of uh, uh, separate those two that way. But most of you guys know that. Most of you guys do it the right way. But thank you, Wells Steinemann. I hope that clears that up. Um, regarding WandaVision, I am slightly frightened for the world if it all goes wrong for Wanda at the end. <laughs> she is scary. Oh, listen, I, Rob, you know, I've been saying from the beginning, this ain't going to end well. This ain't going to end well. No, this uh, is going oof. to be bad. I mean, it's going to be good for us as audience members, but it ain't going to end well. No, sir. I don't think it can well. I don't think it can end well. I mean, think about it. Even if there's another agent involved here, whether it's Mephisto or the Mind Stone or Dr. Doom or whatever else you want to say. The fact of the matter is Wanda is herself making some choices that are crossing the lines. Right. Like she comes out of the bubble to confront the sword agents and she's crossed a line yep. like because she is basically telling them, F you, this town's mine now. I have what I want. You go away. And by the way, in case there's any confusion, everybody turn your guns on him. And she threatened the life of the director of sword, not to mention in that conversation with Vision, which is like, oh, my God, this moment was awesome. When Vision says, you can't just control me like you do them, Wanda. She like looks at him. Can't I? Fuck me. It's like, that's that's a bad relationship. Oh, no. She's, like, if she's, you're Vision, you get out of that relationship. She's full on psycho around the bend, lost touch with reality. I mean, she and, and here's something else, John. Um, I think it's now been proven as soon as she walked out of Westview it's time to call the Avengers. Yeah. Someone's got to make a phone call because this is a potential extinction level event. She's already taken how many people hostage? I mean, this is a massive hostage situation where a previously, by the way, a previously sort of unbalanced 
uh, a character that we know has cost other people's lives in Lagos in in um, Civil War. I mean, this is a dangerous individual that uh, is now gone around the bend. And uh, three weeks after the snapping was reversed, this is big stuff. And I would imagine that we're going to see big things happen in it because now is the time. It's got it's gotten. I mean, I know people are like, well, why didn't Sword call Shield or the Avengers already? Well, because you know, different departments want to keep their own jurisdiction. How many TV shows have we seen where one cop, one agency, the cop on uh, a record, the detective on record gets usurped by the FBI agent? This is my case. We've seen that. Well, this is sword on 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 the front lines. It's their situation, but it's gotten beyond them, and they need to call in some big guns, and they need to call in some big guns now because this is a situation that threatens. I think it could be an extinction level event for all of humanity if it's not taken care of. I think Hawkeye shows up in episode seven. I don't. I don't. I'm not real firm on that. I'm just wild guess. Wild, pointless guess. Hawkeye shows up in episode seven. All right, let's keep moving here. Next up is the Wakandan Forever who writes, It really is all connected. I have always been an MCU guy. I watch every superhero movie opening weekend without fail. WandaVision is the first TV show or streaming series I have. I have to watch every week. P.S. What is your favorite Infinity Stone? I've never thought about that. What's my favorite Infinity Stone? I don't know. Maybe the Ether. The Ether's pretty cool. I like that one. Um, but yeah, this Rob... Again, we talked before about the dropping the whole series at once versus dropping it episode by episode. And you raised a great point. WandaVision, I mean, I think Mandalorian proved it too, but WandaVision proves beyond a shadow of a doubt. This type of hype that is building week after week after week after week, it's it's becoming a fever pitch. And I just do not think WandaVision would be getting nearly talked as uh, talked about as much. It would not nearly be must-see TV as much if they literally just dropped it all at once and we all kind of binged it at once and went, hey, wow, that was awesome. That was great. But it wouldn't be this. Like, this really is now. I don't think this is the best MCU thing they've ever produced, but I can't imagine not watching the next episode. It has absolutely become for me must-see TV. I think it has for a lot of people. Why do you think that is, Rob? Well, because first of all, you know what? It's a well-written, it's an incredibly well-written, well-produced, well-performed show. It's everything you want out of entertainment. And the fact that, look, it builds on 23 previous movies. It's got ties to many of those movies. And I think, you know what this movie does? It rewards your fandom. If you're a fan of the MCU and you've been following what they're doing, this shows you that the people that are creating the MCU, they care about you. As a fan, as an audience member, as a viewer, they are giving you entertainment that you deserve, that you have earned. Because they know you are a smart viewer and you are a, you're an imagination connoisseur. You are somebody that loves this material, understands what they're doing, and is rewarded for it. And it is the very best kind of entertainment. And I think uh, there is a lesson to be learned in this show by many other franchises out there that, like, oh, I don't know, Star Trek, that don't reward this kind of viewership, that, that, that turn away from longtime fans and longtime lore. I mean, this movie is so steeped. There could have been, I could see the television executives going, 
does <coughs> does this have to be so steeped in all the Marvel movies? How are we going to get new viewers? <coughs> nope. Marvel's like, we got this covered. <laughs> you should just, just take Sorry. another drink there. It went down the <laughs> wrong breathe, pipe. I breathed in as I was, I got so excited to make my point. All right, let's move on here. Uh, Michael Wolf writes, hey, John, I really hope you have a great, superb, oh, superb owl party this Sunday. If you get that reference, then you're truly the best. Yes, we get an audience with the superb owl. This is a what we do in the shadows reference. Uh, one of the, one of the episodes from the first season, they misunderstood. They were the vampires were invited to a Super Bowl party. They misread the letters and they thought it was they were going to get to meet the superb owl in it. Excellent episode. If you guys aren't watching what we do in the shadows, you totally should. All right. Useless Nobody writes, been playing Horizon Zero Dawn, and it is fantastic. If Sony is wanting to make film adaptations of their games, they should absolutely do this. It's a game about a post-apocalyptic future, which is kind of like every game out there lately. Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic future where civilization has regressed back to living in tribes. Um, you can get, you can tell it's a future because of recognizable landmarks and the population of robotic dinosaur creatures roaming around. The world building is some of the best I've seen and is ripe for big screen adaptation. Well, listen, this is why Sony took the very logical, maybe dangerous, but probably smart move that they built an entire film division for their video game properties. They were they got out of the idea of just taking video game properties and licensing them out or even handing them over to their studio division. What they've done is they've created a brand new film division exclusively for their video game properties. And we see a lot of them are in develop already or in development already. Uh, this is one that they could do. But listen, whereas a couple of years ago, just a couple of years ago, it would be like, well, that one might be on the outlier, but with Sony creating its own film division specifically for video game properties, don't doubt for a second, useless nobody, that this very well could be on the horizon. And we'll see uh, We'll see how this goes. All right, next up. Dave Campbell writes, When Vision confronts Wanda, it's a perfect example of why Marvel gets talent like Paul Bettany. You can literally hear the pain and fear in his voice, loving the show, and even, uh, and even Peters is Mephisto as her brother, right? Well, two things. One, I'm still not sold, Rob. I, I I don't think Evan Peters's Quicksilver is actually the Quicksilver from the X-Men universe. I think he's an imposter, but I don't think that imposter is Mephisto because I don't understand what Mephisto's logic would be of disguising himself as somebody Wanda doesn't recognize. But that aside, Dave Campbell brings up an interesting point about Paul Bettany's performance, why they go out and get actors like this. Because, Rob, as much as we talk about the twists, the turns, the questions, the theories, like the badassness and all this kind of stuff, for me, right from episode one of WandaVision, the foundation stones of WandaVision, are, are, as far as how good the viewer experience is, is built upon two incredible performances. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen is Wanda. Paul Bettany is Vision. If these two weren't giving the types of performances they were, I don't know that I as an audience member would be having the kind of experience with this great story that I'm having. And that scene when Bettany finally loses it, it's funny because while he's losing it in a way that we've never seen Vision lose it, he still stayed very much Vision, right? And 
to me, that was amazing. Even just the way he said, I'm scared. When do you hear Vision say he's scared? He was He's not scared of Wanda. He's not scared of anything else. He doesn't know who he is, where he came from. He doesn't know why he has no memory before the beginning, he coming into Westview. And that's that. To a being as infinitely powerful as Vision, that's frightening in the way he played it. Anyway, I don't know, Rob, what are your thoughts on that? Well, dude, I think you just stated it very eloquently. I mean, one of the, one of the really interesting things about this show is the conflict that they're building up. I, th- I think Vision's visions side of this is being downplayed or people aren't talking about it enough. Here's somebody who's, who's a a being who's lost his identity. I mean, already he's has, it's not like he's remember that one line and was it in the age of Ultron when he says, it wasn't like I was born yesterday. Oh wait, (laughs) you know, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a sentient being that's coming to grips with existence. And he was literally just almost willed into existence by, the combination of the infinity stone and Tony Stark's technology and everything that's happened to him. And, and yet he was so lucky to find love and, and compassion in a, in a, in a human like Wanda. And now all of that identity has been taken away from him. And so the conflict, I think what's really interesting, and I don't know if they're going to go in this direction, but the conflict between Wanda and vision is so detrimental to both of them because they're they're each they're each such a tether on one another in terms of of keeping their quote unquote humanity in check, and without that connection, both of these characters could become very very dangerous. And yep. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Bring so, it on. Oh, they're doing such a good job with this. All right, more verses, more problems. Rights. One of two. I think when we are finally introduced to Professor X and Magneto in the MCU, they will be working together and we will get to see them drift apart over a story arc. I don't know if they will introduce them in WandaVision, but it's starting to feel like the perfect opportunity. John, if you were Kevin Feige, how would you introduce mutants to the MCU? I have, I have no idea. No, I mean, that's, that's one of the things I've been saying for a long time is that there are so many problems with the idea because Rob, here's the thing. There's no perfect way to bring in the X-Men. Any option is going to have some major, major downfalls, right? You can say, okay, something happens in the universe that starts mutations now. Okay, but if you do that, you are literally throwing away the entire heart and soul thematically of what the X-Men universe is supposed to be. This is supposed to be the story of, of two real guys with who have similar goals but vastly different approaches you have a friendship between charles xavier and eric both want great things for mutant kind but one wants to go the way who believes the best thing for mutant kind and to achieve that is through understanding relationship with humanity all that kind of stuff the other thing's the only way to protect mutants is one of dominance stan lee Rob often talked about the fact that he created these as living analogies of the differences between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And that over the years and decades of their divergent viewpoints and philosophies, and then how mutations and mutants became the stigma in society that we arrive at a place where, and again, it's an allegory for racism in America, where you have mutants and some of them, like the X-Men, vowed to protect a world that hates and fears them. If you just snap your fingers and say mutants start now, all of that goes away. That all goes away. 
If you don't, then you're faced with having no real logical way of explaining how come we've never heard of mutants before. The whole Professor X wipes the mind of the world, that doesn't work because two minutes after he wipes the mind of the world, some mutant does something somewhere, and now the whole world has to be wiped again. So that's why I'm always saying, I'm one of these annoying people that is pointing out problems, but I don't have a solution. So I don't know what they're going to do. Maybe, Rob, maybe the best thing to do is to say, we're going to start the story of the X-Men right now. Maybe we start where mutants did just come into being and we're starting with a younger Charles and a younger Magneto today and we're going to slowly build and we may not get the X-Men as we know them for two or three years after that starts. I mean, I don't know. I just don't know that there is a good answer to that right now. So I don't know. What's the best theory you've heard so far about how to start the X-Men? Oh my gosh. In terms of, I've heard so many instances, but you know, I, I, first of all, I agree with you. I think it's, it's, it was, it was born. The X-Men were born out of a certain period of time. Um, but you know, whether I, I don't know about a theory, but I think that in a way, what we are watching now is the beginnings of that. Because remember Evan, the Evan Peters that we're seeing is the eighties version of Evan Peters Quicksilver. So it's not the Quicksilver that would exist in the 2023 that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is set in. If that was, then Evan Peters at Quicksilver would be 40 years older. And so I think it's really important to know that what if they brought the X-Men in from a different time? You know, one of the things I used to love as a kid was the Justice Society, Justice League team-ups between Earth-1 and Earth-2 in the DC universe. And it was understood that the Justice Society was decades uh, earlier than our world. Maybe they're going to go someplace in that direction where literally maybe that's where they're going to get Fantastic Four from too. I don't know that there's a time rift or something, but... But I think that with the X-Men, whatever it is, I think this show, WandaVision, is telling us they know how they're going to do it. And I think it's being it's being slowly introduced. Now, I don't know what that's going to be because, like you said, the central conflict is between Xavier and Magneto. But those are only two of the vast characters in the X-Men universe. And maybe they can figure out a way to rejigger that conflict some way and make it viable for today i don't know what that is because remember the eternals are here too the eternals have been here for thousands of years on earth and we've never seen them before so how are they going to introduce them and go where were you guys during like when new york was being attacked by the chitauri and all that they're going to have to explain all that so i think i think they know i just don't know what the answer is don't don't forget though with eternals there's a difference between a handful of eternals and thousands of human beings. Uh, no, could, I know. But I mean, I but it, yeah, it's probably, I'm like you. I have no, I have no answer. It's going to be interesting to see how they do it as they move forward. Speaking of moving forward, Rob, we, you've over, uh, we've kept you longer than, uh, than normal. So listen, dude, thanks a lot for being here today. And we know you got Great stuff you got to do. Again, uh, congratulations on everything going on with Tango Shalom, uh, which everybody, make sure you go and check out the Tango Shalom trailer, which is online, a movie Rob's been working on for a couple of years. And in the meantime, Rob, where can people follow you and all your goodness online? Well, if you live in the San Diego area, 
Tango Shalom does start playing on Thursday virtually as part of the San Diego Jewish International Film Festival. So you can just watch it online if you want and write back. But you can find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett. Find me on Twitter at Burnett RM or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work, on my show, Rob Observations. <sighs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot for being here, Rob. And we will talk to you soon, my friend. Have a good one. All right. All right, guys, that is Robert Meyer Burnett. And don't forget, uh, just shortly after we're done today's show, the follow-up video, the part two of our WandaVision episode five spoiler discussion is going to be hosted by Robert Meyer Burnett. And that's going to be getting through all the remaining questions that you guys sent in during that spoiler discussion. So keep your eyes open for that. But for now, we still have some time left. So let's keep going through your questions, shall we? Uh, Troll Dinosaur writes, did you notice that when Wanda left the bubble, she got her accent back? Are, are there multiple Wandas? No. Uh, also, look forward to your new stock trading podcast. Yeah, I'm going to start doing my own stock trading podcast. Here's the thing, though. Remember this. it Wanda is taking on a character in the shows, right? In the 1950 shows, she spoke like this. Well, gosh, honey, I don't know how I'm going to have dinner ready. But then she spoke a little bit different in the 60s show. Then she spoke differently in the 70s show. Now she's speaking different in the 80s show. So she's taking on the persona. And yeah, when she came out of the bubble, she wasn't effing around. I mean, like when, when Wanda speaks in her with her natural accent back a little bit, still not as strong as it used to be in other movies, but still when the that means she means business. So no, I don't think that there are multiple Wandas. I think it's all just one Wanda. All right, next up. Uh, an anonymous on purpose writes, one of four. Uh, hey, John, let me just take my headphones off here. Um, hey, John, he writes about my issue with WandaVision with episode four. Uh, I brought up the other day. People keep saying that the drone Wanda found was not necessarily the same uh, Monica launch since sword launched numerous additional ones after that. However, I believe it is the same for two reasons. First of all, things that enter Westview do get transformed, but they remain uh, reminiscent to their original shape slash look design. That's not necessarily true. Because remember, Monica's bulletproof Kevlar vest turned into a fancy pair of pants. So not really true. But at any rate, um, the other drone sword sent in look like uh, what we actually know as a drone, not like spy gear drone. Uh, three, that's true because the thing she sent in was a helicopter-like looking thing. So that's a good point. Uh, three or four. Uh, that's disguised as a toy helicopter. And second of all, and this is the bigger hint the audience gets, that they have the same number written on it. Monica's drone had S57 on on it. The S probably stands for sword, so it was rem uh, so it was removed on the inside. That's interesting. But the 57 remained on the toy Wanda finds. Also. Uh, things inside do happen live. A sword is watching Darcy. We were watching while Monica disappears after mentioning Ultron. Next thing happens, alarm goes off and Monica stands outside. Yeah, no, that's something we brought up before. We brought that part up before, but there does seem to be in the show things that sometimes hint that it's not in real time and then things that hint that it is in real time. So there's a little bit of a discrepancy there, but the point you just raised, Anonymous, about the fact that, look, Monica's was an actual helicopter. What Wanda found was a helicopter and the designation number on it. That is a great point. That's a great point. Actually, I think that settles that issue, to be honest. I think that means it's beyond dispute at this point. That was the one that Wanda finds. Unless somebody else has another really compelling argument, that helicopter Wanda finds is definitively the one that Monica sent in. I, I think you won me over. 
I'm on your side with this now. I think that was a great point. All right, next, let's move on. Next up, uh, Ezra West writes, one of three. Is he actually Pietro from another earth? I don't think so. Or is Evan Peters' character actually the villain in disguise? It was not a coincidence that he came knocking just as Vision was about to convince Wanda that staying in Westview is wrong. But why? What is there to gain from keeping uh, her there to absorb her energy as she's basically the reality stone uh, is in human form or is uh, or is there have more nefarious goals in mind? Also, I don't trust Agnes one bit. Yeah, I'm not sure I trust her either. She's the only person other than Wanda that knows she's on a show, meaning she's a bigger player and isn't a regular Westview resident. She's either working with the villain or is also being manipulated. I, again, with the Agnes thing, again, I don't think she's Agatha Harkness. She could be. She could be. Um, I don't think she is because I don't think she's part, I don't think she's a villain here because I think she is a victim. I go back quite often to that uh, scene in episode four when Herb is about to tell Vision what's going on and Agnes looks at Herb terrified like she was scared to death so i don't think she's a villain i think she and remember in this episode in episode five she was kind of afraid that she was screwing things up so she like turns to one it's like uh should should we just take it from the top like she's scared of wanda i think from what i'm seeing she is terrified of wanda that doesn't mean there's not another villain but I, I just feel like Agnes, there is something else going on. There, she's clearly not just another average Westview resident. There's something different about her, something important. I just don't know what it is yet. As far as Evan Peters goes, yeah, I do not believe this is the X-Men version, the Fox X-Men version of Evan Peters made manifest. I think that's a misdirect by Kevin Feige. Um, I, I don't think that's actually him. Now, it could be. It could be. I'm not telling you that I'd be willing to bet $1,000 on that. I'm not. <laughs> I'm absolutely not willing to bet $1,000 on that. But yeah, I just don't think that's the Evan Peters uh, X-Men from from that. Now, some people will say, but John, uh, in the closed caption description of the scene, it is clearly types out that it, she sees the X-Men version of, uh, yes, but I think that was just more descriptive. I don't think that was actually saying anything. And I don't think Kevin Feige and Marvel are going to put out a big reveal in the closed caption. I think that was just descriptive. So uh, that's my guess. But again, who knows? I mean, maybe he is that, but I don't think he is yet, Ezra. I don't think he is. All right, next up. Uh, Benny S. writes, if you read Norm's profile on Sword's info board from episode four, it actually spoils the scene from episode five. Uh, deliberate or production uh, screw up. Also, how awesome was episode five confirmed a lot of my theories and that surprise at the end had me at 70% of my Luke reaction. Um, I thought episode five was great. I thought episode five was great. I would say this though. Don't jump to conclusions that it confirmed any of your theories because listen, let's go back to episode four for a second. Okay. Remember my theory for episodes one, two, and three was that Wanda was in total control. I thought this is all Wanda. One, this is all Wanda's doing. That was my theory during episodes one, two, and three. And then what happened at the end of episode four? 
they confirmed that my theory was right. Because what happens at the very end of episode four? Monica Rambo wakes up laying in the grass and she goes, it's all Wanda. It's all Wanda. Apparently confirming my theory that it's all Wanda. But what did I say after that episode? I was like, wait a minute. Why would they be confirming to us that it is all Wanda as early as episode four? Now I don't think my my theory is correct. Now I think my theory is wrong. By pretending to confirm my theory was right, it actually convinced me my theory was wrong. And now, sure enough, it turns out that there is. I mean, I think I still think Wanda is mostly in control, but there's another force at play here. Whether it's Mephisto, or whether it's Doctor Doom, or whether it's the Mind Stone, or whether it's the Director of Sword, or whether whatever it else is. I think still think Bond is mostly. So I'll, all I would say is this never rush to conclusions that they just confirmed one of your theories because episode four confirmed my theory, but turns out it totally didn't at all. So I'm just saying, I, but I love that about this show. It's keeping us on our toes. It keeps us guessing. I love that about this. So let's see what happens here. All right. Thanks for that, Benny. Next up, uh, Caleb writes, some of my favorite long takes. Five, Paths of Glory stretch. Yep. Number four, Goodfellas, uh, Copacabana shot. Three, Band of Brothers, Why We Fight. Two, Children of Mary Carsey. That Children of Men one is awesome. Uh, number one, True Detective, season one, Biker Gang. That is That one was great too. There's another one. There's another long one-shot tracking shot scene, but not a lot of people talk about it because it's in not such a great movie. There's a Nicolas Cage film by the name of Snake Eyes. Not the G.I. Joe character. Uh, do you guys remember this? The Nicolas Cage movie Snake Eyes? Anyway, uh, that movie begins with this long, um, long one-cut tracking shot. And it's it's really well done. And by the way, Greg Scott Bailey in the live chat throws in there the hallway fight from Daredevil as well. Yes, the hallway fight from daredevil was was also really really good so there have been a lot of really good of those long ones but i like your list there caleb well put together my friend all right next up uh mickey bell writes greetings from gibraltar john a long time viewer since the amc movie talk days thank you so much mickey for being around uh wandavision was wild this week one thing i noticed monica's reaction to carol being mentioned seems she didn't part on great terms could be reading into that though no no you're not reading into that they made that obvious when jimmy woo brings up captain marvel clearly monica looks uncomfortable i have two theories and i'm not really sure about either of them theory number one she was pissed that captain marvel never came back and saw her and her or her mom or even once she came back for Endgame and stuff like that, she never went to go visit Monica, who was supposed to be like family to her and never went to go see her, never went to go visit her, never went to console her about her mother, all that kind of stuff. That's theory number one. My second theory about why Monica looked pissed when Captain Marvel was mentioned was maybe she believes that Captain Marvel is responsible for her mother's cancer. Whether it's just from being around her power 
or whether it's from the fact that she took her up into space or whether that it's she had her in such close proximity to an infinity stone or maybe for a hundred different reasons. But maybe on some level, there's some explanation as to why Monica feels like she holds Captain Marvel responsible for the death of her mother, for her mother's cancer. Now, it could be a thousand other things. I'm not... I'm not sold on either of those theories, but those are the only two theories I have. But she absolutely looked upset and you weren't just seeing things. They were making it very clear to us. There's a rift between Monica and Captain Marvel. Maybe they won't even get into it until Captain Marvel 2, but there's clearly a rift there. All right. Uh, Next up, Mark Amorosi writes. Hey, John and Ann, obviously Mark accidentally sent this into the tip link instead of to the uh, WandaVision Super Chat. Anyway, I almost had a heart attack when I saw Evan Peters show up in this episode. Do you think he's actually Quicksilver or Mephisto pretending to be Quicksilver? I personally don't think either. So I do not think he's the actual real Quicksilver from the Fox X-Men universe. But again, the big question I have about if it's Mephisto disguised as Evan Peters is why appear to Wanda as a face she wouldn't wouldn't recognize. Like if you're a Mephisto and you wanted to disguise yourself as her brother, why wouldn't you appear as the face that she knows as Aaron Taylor Johnson? So I'm not sure what's going on, but I don't think he is either the real Quicksilver from the Fox universe. And I don't think it's Mephisto. Could be either though. It, it could be either, or maybe it's another version. We'll have to wait and see. All right. Thanks for that, Mark. Uh, Julian writes, uh, Hey, John. I'm getting a strong sense of a Darth Vader storyline here with Wanda, uh, where she slowly goes to the dark side. Um, If she's the MCU Darth Vader, is it possible for there to be a Palpatine on the show, AKA Mephisto? I mean, I mean, that's, that's a good analogy. That's a good analogy. We could be watching. Listen, the story of Wanda Maximoff is a story of tragedy. You know, we we've talked about this on the show before, but the story of Wanda Maximoff is absolutely a story of tragedy from her youngest years. Her life has been tragedy after tragedy, after pain, after pain, after grief, after grief. You know, the death of her parents, losing her brother. Don't underestimate the thing of the Civil War, of the Captain America Civil War. She finally found a family and then that family was split apart and then went to war with each other. And then ultimately culminating in not the death of her love once, but twice. One of the times she had to do it herself. She had to kill the love of her life only to see it undone and watch another monster kill, kill him again. The story of Wanda Maximoff is a story of pain and tragedy. And eventually those types of stories usually lead to supervillains. I don't know that one is going to become a traditional supervillain. But it does seem like that. And if that is the case, if we want to follow that analogy, maybe there being a Palpatine behind the curtain is a possibility. Don't know. We'll wait and see. All right, next up. Awesome Alan One writes, Hey, John, love the show. Thank you so much, Awesome Alan. Uh, I think S.W.O.R.D. were dissecting Vision to use him for weapons in those five years. Their name change hints to this, but I also think this is going to lead to both Vision and Ultron coming back. S.W.O.R.D. revives Ultron. Wanda revives Vision. Well... There's, here's the big problem with the idea that they're going to revive Vision. Remember, WandaVision happens three weeks after Endgame, right? So here's Endgame. WandaVision happens right here, three weeks after Endgame. 
Spider-Man Far From Home happens all the way down here eight months after Endgame. And in Spider-Man Far From Home, they mention that Vision is dead. WandaVision happens three weeks after Endgame. Spider-Man Far From Home happens eight months after Endgame. And as far as they're concerned, eight months after Endgame, Vision's dead. Vision's gone. He's, it's mentioned that he was gone. He's dead. So I don't think that this show ends with the revival of Vision for that reason. Ultron is not the craziest theory. That maybe, you know, the government thinks, oh, if we could revive, like recreate Ultron or revive Ultron, but this time have him under our control, he would be very powerful. Yeah, that's always a good idea, right? So the reviving of Ultron may not be a bad idea. It might not be a bad theory, but I just I don't think because of what's mentioned in Far From Home, I don't think we're going to see that. Because uh, I don't think this vision is real. This vision isn't the vision we knew. This is a recreated different. This is a, a kind of an imaginary recreated vision that Wanda made out of the scrap pieces of the original vision. But it's not the original vision. It's kind of like you melt down a, ca a car and... Uh, you know, I don't know, what's something else metal? Uh, you make a, a Zevia can out of it. This isn't that car anymore. It's something completely different, even though it was made out of the pieces of that car. So I think this show ends with Vision being gone again. So, but I don't know. We'll wait and see. All right, next up. Uh, Alan Horn's Horn writes, um, I checked out the website uh, of the Mortal Kombat director, Simon Wilcoyd. He's responsible for directing some slick commercials, during, uh, including that Michael PlayStation 3 commercial. Obviously not feature films. I'm excited and can't wait for the trailer. And listen, look, I'm not trying to bag on, on uh, Simon at all, right? Every director has a first film. And Mortal Kombat... Is a because it's not a huge tentpole film. It's not a huge big budget film. It's it's a really good, reasonable first movie for a first time director. Great, but still, I, I'm not going to get excited about him as a director based on some commercial work, right? And there are good commercial directors and there are bad commercial directors. But again, I'm not taking anything away from him either. What makes me nervous about about Mortal Kombat? is number one, that it is a first-time director, which is fine, but it's also a first-time writer. The writer of it has never had anything they've written turned into a movie before. So we've got a first-time writer and a first-time director. It makes me a little nervous. Makes me a little nervous. I'm not saying that means it's going to be bad. Not at all. I'm just admitting that it makes me a bit nervous. We'll see where it goes. I am looking, for, I'm looking forward to seeing a trailer, though. I'm looking forward to seeing a trailer. All right, Jill Rich writes, did you notice that Wanda's kids spontaneously grow older every time Agnes is around? Could she be controlling them somehow? Um, I don't, I think Agnes being there is coincidental. Remember, they age when they believe they have something to gain from aging. So um, when Vision says, Vision wants to say, you can't take care of a puppy till you're 10. All right. The two kids look at each other. Okay, we're 10. Give us the puppy. And then later, when they discover that Sparky is dead, they're like, okay, the, this pain will go away as we get older. Great. Let's look at each other and move past the pain. Let's let's just age ourselves up right now. So I don't think it has anything to do. It, it is true that 
Agnes was present for both of those, but I don't think she affected that. Just like I'm just like saying that Wanda was present for both of them too. That doesn't mean that Wanda did it. So that's my guess, Jill, but you might turn out being right. Let's see what happens there. All right, next up. Uh, Caleb Lawrence writes, I never realized until they said it in the episode that they have never called her Scarlet Witch in the MCU. We were talking about that the other day, actually. Given that the name of the anomaly is being dubbed the Hex, do you think this could be a lead to Wanda finally getting her superhero name? Maybe. Maybe. But I don't know if she's ever going to be a superhero. I See, the thing is, she's doing things in this show that make me question about whether she can ever truly come back from this holding a town hostage, turning guns on the sword director, uh, basically laying it down with them, uh, the way she's talking to Vision. I don't... I, I Listen, we know we're going to get Wanda in Doctor Strange 2. I wonder if that's going to be the last we see of Wanda because I just don't know with everything we're seeing Wanda do if there's any coming back from this to be a hero again. I don't even know if Steve would trust her. If, you know, if Captain Rogers, if Captain America himself, I don't even know that he would trust her anymore. I don't know. It's an interesting question, but yes, the whole thing about the hex and everything, this could be where her name comes, whether it's a hero name or a villain name. We'll, we'll find that out. All right, next up, uh, Brad Canfield writes, Anyone think it's weird that every time someone brings up Captain Marvel, the people that know her personally get agitated first in Spider-Man far from home with Nick Fury, uh, then episode five, WandaVision with Monica. What's up with that? I didn't get that from Nick Fury at all. I mean, I might not be remembering that scene in far from home exactly, but I never got the feeling of that at all. If anything, he's a very close ally of Captain Marvel. So I, I didn't get that at all. Monica's thing, again, I think it has something to do with her mother. I think it has something to do with her mother. Maybe she blames her for her mother's cancer or whatever, but I've got some different feelings about that. But I never noticed that Fury uh, was, uh, if anything, he seemed protective of her. Like, you're not worthy to say her name or something along those lines. Anyway, that's just kind of my take on it, Uh, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. All right, next up. Uh, The Wakandan Forever writes, John, a legal question. Well, I am not a lawyer in the United States. I I don't know American law that great. So let's see what happens. Uh, If I were to engrave Wakanda Forever on my tombstone, uh, I know, I know. uh, Is that phrase considered fair use or their rights issues? P.S. Yes, I have a Black Panther tattoo. It's more than just uh, my online name. It's a lifestyle. I don't think there's anything... I don't, I don't think there's any law against that. I mean, again, don't take that as legal advice, but that's different from creating entertainment with, with you know, Wakanda or creating a business with a name, uh, uh, with, uh, with a phrase in it or a name in it. For example, we just saw in the Coming to America 2 trailer, you know, we have Prince of Wakanda, Wakanda is not a real place. To some of us it is, so like they could use the name Wakanda, uh, so there's, I, I think that's fair use. If you want to put it on your gravestone, I think that's fair use. So again, check with a real lawyer about that, but I don't think there's any problem with that at this point. Uh, let's see here. Next up, Dylan writes, 
How would you like the Defenders characters be added to the MCU, whether it uh, be they continue the show on Disney Plus or just reboot them entirely? It is most likely that they reboot them. I mean, I here's the thing. I didn't like the Jessica Jones show. I definitely didn't like Iron Fist. I, for the most part, didn't like Luke Cage. I liked the first half of season one. The first half of season one of Luke Cage was great. The second half of season one after Cottonmouth wasn't there anymore, not so good. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't like Luke Cage season two. The only things I really loved about the Netflix Marvel stuff was Punisher and Daredevil. Those were the only things I really loved. The Defenders series was pretty good. I liked the Defenders as a series. I thought it was all right. But I honestly don't care if they bring the defenders back at all, I certainly don't think they're going to bring back the continuation of the Netflix series, but you know, once Kevin Feige gets their hands on the characters and relaunches that characters, that could become an, uh, uh, that could become something. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, where are we at here? Henri Martens writes, uh, blocked on the channel for some reason. I don't know. I've seen your name pop up there. So I have to send one division spoilers here. Hope that's okay. So Quicksilver is basically Jesse from full house. Sort of Jesse from Full House, sort of a little bit Joey, sort of a little bit Fonz. He's basically just a, an incorporation of a lot of different types of characters, I think. He came to live with Bob Saget and his brother after the wife, his wife passed away, similar to Wanda. Coincidence? Well, yeah, a little bit. Like I said, I think what Evan Peters was playing, again, was like many of them, right? Vision isn't one character from one 80s show. He's kind of an amalgamation of a lot of the stereotype dads from that era of sitcoms. So is Wanda. Maybe leaning a little bit more towards family ties or whatever than others, but I still think it's an amalgamation. And I think the Evan Peters character, by the way, I love that line. Who's the pop? What, what was, what did he call him? The popsicle? Who's the popsicle or the something stick? I can't remember. Guys in the live chat, what did he refer to Vision as in the last line? Who's the, was it the popsicle? I can't remember. Um, if you guys remember, jump, throw that into the to chat. It is popsicle, right? Okay. You guys are saying, I got it. Who's the pop? Thank you. Super Ninja, black bleach, yellow flash. Okay. It is popsicle. Who's the popsicle, right? I did like that line a lot. I thought that was clever. Um, but I think, yeah, again, I think he's an amalgamation of a lot of those characters. All right. Uh, Lizardron writes. Evan Peter screams Uncle Jesse from Full House for some odd reason. That's definitely one of them, no doubt. 100%, just like Henri was just mentioning, Lizardron. All right, Scarlet Witch Project writes, John, what are the chances that the director is actually Mephisto playing along? I mean, that's been some people's theory that uh, the director is Mephisto, but I don't know. He seems to know Monica pretty well. They seem to, to have a history. Again, I doubt Mephisto is even a part of the show, doubt i'm not saying i know he's not part of the show I, I say i doubt he's part of the show but him being a part of the show is a possibility so you know we'll see we'll see but yeah right now listen i'm not convinced like a lot of people are that the sword director is actually a villain he's a dick but you can be a dick without being a villain but there are a lot of people that are like no 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 that director of, of sword, he's got, he has something to do with this. And maybe that, like I said, a lot of people have that theory. I'm not convinced of that yet. I'm not convinced of that yet, but maybe, 
Maybe. We'll see. But Mephisto, again, I don't even think Mephisto's in the show, but I could be wrong about that. We've got three episodes left. Or four episodes left, I should say. We have four episodes left, so we'll find out soon. We will find out soon. All right, last question of the day, guys, comes to us from uh, Moises Marquez, who writes, I don't feel like Peters is the permanent Quicksilver for the um, for the MCU. Yes, with all the multiverse talk around other upcoming uh, Marvel movies, this feels like a misdirect. Why would they want all the Fox baggage? I'd rather start on a clean slate. That has been my opinion exactly. Why would Kevin Feige want to recycle and bring back the sloppy seconds of Fox's X-Men universe, which by the time they were done was a failing franchise. Like, yeah, we had X-Men Days of Future Past, which to me is one of the top 10 greatest comic book, comic book films of all time. Absolutely of all time. And we had Logan. The problem is, and Logan wasn't really in continuity anyway. Uh, James Mangold, you know, confirms that. The director of Logan. But, you know, how did they go out? They went out with X-Men uh, Apocalypse and uh, Michael Bochar sends in a live chat, uh, a super chat badge in the live in the live stream. Thank you for that, Michael Bochar. I appreciate that, man. Um, they ended with X-Men Apocalypse, which was bad. And then it ended and then it went on to end with X-Men Dark Phoenix, which was bad. I don't think the worst movie in the world. I actually thought X-Men Dark Phoenix had some redeemable qualities, but overall it was bad. Um, it was poor. And you saw a massive box office drop, right? You went from X-Men Days of Future Past, which made like over 700 million. Then it went to X-Men Apocalypse, which was around 500, dropped like over $200 million. And then you get to X-Men Dark Phoenix, which dropped down to $250 million. That's not opening weekend. That's how much it made overall, worldwide. So why would Kevin Feige want to take the sloppy seconds of Fox's X-Men universe and all that baggage? Is he doing that with Fantastic Four? No, he's creating his own Fantastic Four. Did he do that with Spider-Man? No, he created his own Spider-Man. I mean, in cooperation with Sony, but instead of just bringing Andrew Garfield over, they left the baggage behind and they just started fresh with the new Spider-Man. They're going to do that with X-Men. That doesn't mean they can't do cameos, though. And it doesn't mean, listen, if anybody could make it work, it's Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige is the one who could make it work. But listen, right now, and my all of our theories are changing week to week as new episodes come out, and mine can totally change too, as, as they have already. But right now, I don't believe for a second that uh, that Evan Peters is the Quicksilver from the Fox X-Men universe, and now he's the new Quicksilver moving forward. No, I, I completely believe that just like Monica at the end of episode four saying it's all Wanda was a total misdirect. I also believe this Evan Peters Quick Quicksilver is a total misdirect as well. Now, ask me after episode six. After episode six, I may have a completely different theory on that, right? Which is what one of the great things about this show has been. So we'll see where, where we are. All right, listen, guys. For everybody still with uh, outstanding questions, Mahir, uh, Young Ant Baru, Gregor, uh, Just Push and Play, and others, do not worry. We're going to get to more questions. I'm going to do a companion video a little bit later today, and we'll get caught up on all these remaining questions. Uh, just hang in there a little bit. And that will do it for me, guys. For today's installment 
of The John Campia Show. Thank you so much for making this show a part of your day and spending some of your day here with us. Special thank you to Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett for, for being here and sharing his glory and greatness with us. And also a very big special thank you to all of you guys who sent in these questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, because you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us here involved with the John Campus Show, thank you guys very, very much for that support. Couple things, guys. Don't forget, in about 20 or 30 minutes or so, we're going to be putting up the part two of the WandaVision episode five spoiler discussion hosted by Robert Meyer Burnett. If you still had an outstanding question waiting from that video, it's all going to be there in part two. And then, of course, we're going to have a companion video to today's John Campus show a little bit later as well. And don't forget, me and Robert Meyer Burnett will be back again tomorrow for the next episode of the John Campia show. So for now, guys, remember to do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, Tom Brady is the GOAT.